Welcome to episode number 19 of Quality Christian Living. I am your host, David Friend. We are currently in a series based upon my book entitled, Experience the Joy of Debt-Free Living. As we complete this series, I would like to take this episode and deal with the questions I have been receiving. So let's just call this Frequently Asked Financial Questions. Without a doubt, the number one question that I'm asked about a person's individual finances is, why do I run out of money each month before I run out a month? Well, it's pretty simple to determine how that happens and it's simply we don't have a budget. If you're a person who runs out of money before the month is over, then you're evidently not, well, one of two or three different things. One is you're not budgeting and don't have a plan for your expenditures. Two, you've had some unexpected expenditures and that's messed up your budget. Or three, you've never set up a savings account to handle those unexpected challenges that faces. So let's just kind of take a look at how we can deal with running out of money each month before we run out of month. It's really just as simple as taking out a blank piece of paper and writing down, number one, your total monthly income. If it's just your income, that's easy. If you're married and you have two incomes coming in, then you obviously list the two of them and total them up. That would be your net income. Now, take your sheet of paper, that same sheet of paper, and start writing down the number of expenses that you have fixed each month. Those things that you pay that are required to come out of your paychecks every single month. In episode number five of this series, I have a list of expenses like house payment, car insurance, electricity, water, telephone, automobile, gasoline, gifts, food, dry cleaning, on and on and on. We need a very complete list of expenses to truly understand what we're going to spend each month. Many people, most people, really do not have an understanding of what the total amount of expenses are going to be each and every month. So until we have a list of what it costs us to live each month over an entire year, we will never understand truly what our expenses are. And we will run out of money before we run out of month. Now, how do we cover that? A lot of people say, well, how can I possibly spend more than I make? Well, there's a lot of reasons, a lot of explanations I've given in the past, but I'm going to make a quick example of that right now. First of all, we, we can cover our money that we're spending if it's more than what we make by putting things on a credit card. For many people, they think of a credit card as not actually spending money. There's the product, they see it, they throw a piece of plastic down, charge something and think, okay, well then someday I'll pay for it. So they don't really consider it an expense that they should be planning for for that particular month. So I would try to avoid the use of credit cards unless you have an emergency and you don't have savings or whatever, then you don't have any choice. But try to avoid using credit cards to pay for bills unless you can pay that credit card off at the end of each month because all those charges you made would have already been in your budget. The, the second item uh, people use to pay for expenditures where they don't have the money is to borrow from others. Whether it be a friend or a family member or whether it be a bank and they just go out and get a loan from someone and feel, okay, well, I'll just borrow the money to cover this expense. The only problem with borrowing is they have a due date. A lot of folks don't realize that, yeah, when you borrow money, there's going to be a time to pay it back. So if you need to borrow to cover your expenses, then you need to sit down and figure out how you can stop spending more than you make. Another way to cover expenses that you have not put in your budget is to take money out of a savings account. 
However, I have found that people who are spending more than they make don't have a savings account. And I've mentioned this before, but in America today, it's it's said that the average person cannot handle a $400 emergency expense because they don't have a savings account. So I would encourage you to one, make sure that you don't use credit cards if you can't pay for it off in your monthly budget. Two, borrow from others on a limited basis and try and figure out some way to get that paid off as soon as possible. And three, start a savings plan. Start planning to save some money back for emergencies. Here's another question that I'm often asked by people in the church, people that are trying to figure out a way to get their budgets in order, make more money, and have a more successful financial life. They'll say something like, is it okay, pastor, to have wealth? Is it it okay to have an expensive car or a nice home? Well, the answer to that is yes. However, it's a yes with some conditions. As long as we put the work of the Lord first, I believe it's okay to have these nice things. Now, people say, well, what do you mean by putting the Lord first? Well, I believe in tithing. I believe in giving of our finances the first 10% that we make to the work of the Lord. And if you're not able to give that because you're covering expensive car payments or house payment that's high or spending, having a, a, a lifestyle that's expensive, then I don't think that that type of prosperity, if you would call it that, is really proper. I think the way we can avoid that is to make a list of what you would do if you were wealthy. You know, if if all of a sudden you had a lot of money, what would you do with it? And a lot of people don't think about that because they think, well, I'll never have any money. Well, there is nothing wrong with being successful financially as long as we get and keep our priorities in order. After making a list of the things that you want to spend, think of how much of it is for you personally and how much of it would be for helping others. So a lot of folks make a lot of money. They think, okay, I want the big car, the vacations, the big house and all that. And it's just for me, me, me. It's all for me. But that's really not what God's plan is for our finances. Yes, it's okay for us to be blessed financially. Yes, it's fine for us to have a nice car, a nice home, go on vacations. But let's never neglect the work of the Lord. Let's always remember that God is our source in all the money that we have. So let's bless our source. Let's not cut off our source when we prosper financially. This next question may be a little surprising to you, but many, many times I'm asked this question, how can I give more to the work of the Lord? I really believe deep inside people want to bless God's kingdom. They want to bless their church. They want to be able to contribute to the financial needs of their church. So they want to come up to me and say, Pastor, I would love to be able to give more. But then they follow up with, I just can't see how I can possibly do it. I don't understand why I keep running out of money all the time. So there are a lot of ways that we can increase our giving. But first of all, we need to understand what it costs us to live. And the only way to do that is prepare a budget. So the answer to how can I give more money to the work of the Lord? Well, prepare a budget. I I guess I should stop saying that. But all I know is that that's how it all starts. And then within live within that budget, meaning live within your means. Don't spend more than you make. Become a tither. Put God first in your finances. And then sit down, married couples, sit down together and make a list of your finances, what your things that you'd like to spend money on, whether it be the church or things in the home, plan your spending and then they won't become a surprise to you. Now for single people, I think it's nice if you get someone, a mentor or someone that you can go to on a maybe once a month basis and talk about finances, someone you can trust, someone who is trustworthy and sit down and set up your own financial plan and with some advice from a qualified individual. After we do these things, then we'll find ourselves being in a position where we can actually give more to the work of the Lord. 
Let's look at another question that often comes to mind. People will say, Pastor, how can I determine if my finances are improving each year? Well, there's lots of ways to do that. But first of all, you need to sit down and, and say to yourself, do I have a savings account? And if I do, is it growing? Do I have credit cards? And if I do, are they increasing? So if your savings are not increasing and your credit card debt is increasing, then obviously your finances are not improving every year. You need to list down what was your debt last year at a certain time and then what your total of your debt is today. Do the same thing with your savings. So once you do this, you'll determine that I guess I'm a little bit lopsided on my, my, my plan, my financial plan. If you monitor these things, you'll soon find out that your savings account will start to grow and your debt will start to decrease. Okay, let's move on. Here's another question that is often brought up to me when I talk about living within your means. And I'll make this statement, live below our means. And people say, well, what is living below our means? Well, it's not spending everything we make. Most people today feel that the more they make, you're right, the more they spend. So that's not living within your means. Living within our means basically sets a standard, a plan, whereby you have a certain expenditure level, then you set up a savings account and you have debt reduction, and then you're living below your means because you're actually not spending everything that you make. You're saving some of the money that you make. So I, I'm a big believer, as you know, in tithing 10% of our income, but I'm also a big believer in tithing 10% of our income to the church and to me as an individual. My wife and I have always had a plan to save a percentage of our money and not have to spend everything that we make. So living below our means is simply a way of saying don't spend everything that you make every single month. Another question you should ask yourself is, is spending more important to you than saving? Now be honest with yourself. Do you enjoy spending the money more than you do saving some money? The savings will give you a long-lasting financial prosperity. Spending, spending, spending will eventually lead to financial disaster. Here's another question I think that's often asked of me. Should I buy or lease a car? Should I rent or purchase a home? Well, I need to make a little disclosure here. I'm not a financial counselor in the sense of training to be an advisor and that type of thing. I don't sell securities. I don't suggest securities. I don't suggest information about buying and selling homes and stuff. So find yourself a professional individual, maybe a CPA or a friend or just a bank that you can go sit and talk to and ask them, them that question that should you buy or lease a car? In my own case, I've only leased one car in my entire life. I have usually bought my cars. I, I've not been very successful when it comes to investing properly in cars because I like to buy new ones and that's not smart. So what I've started to do in the last 10 years is if I buy a new one, I keep it a lot longer, maybe six or seven or eight years, where in the past I would turn them over and that's a really very foolish way to, to throw away money. So the answer for a car, it depends on how many miles you drive. This is my opinion. So seek professional advice but when when you're thinking about leasing a car if you have less miles to drive then leasing probably makes a lot more sense because they'll only give you a certain amount of miles to drive each year if you're going to drive a lot of miles and heavy miles then possibly purchasing a car would be a better decision now this is not advice for a business because your business finances are totally different than your personal finances so when it comes to making a decision on a car i would think that you should look at someone who can help you plan out plan that out according to your financial needs now when it comes to buying or renting a home 
I have always, always preferred to purchase, but there are good times to buy and there's bad times to, to buy. I've rented a few homes and bought probably 90% of the homes that we've lived in. I'm gonna make this statement, it's probably shock a lot of folks. My wife and I have lived in 40, that's four zero homes in our 54 years of marriage, of which 90% of those were homes that we purchased. The other 10% would have been rentals that we bought in between the purchase. There are a lot of benefits tax-wise, I believe, when it comes to buying a home. But there's also a lot of expenses incurred in buying a home. So there are buyer's markets and there's seller's markets. So find yourself a really good real estate advisor and have them help you and explain to you when is a good time to buy and when is a good time to rent. And that's about all the advice I probably should give you on that topic. Here's another interesting question that sometimes is a little shocking when I hear it, but it's a good question. Why can't I keep money in my savings account? Well, there's a lot of reasons for it. Uh, possibly the advertisements that we look at and the things that we desire that we want, we, we maybe don't understand the difference between wants, needs, and desires. And there are certain things that are needs. There's no question about that. But there's a lot of desires that we're buying these days that a lot of people refer to those, refer to those things as needs. So the reason we don't keep money in our savings account is usually a lack of discipline. And not having a budget, not putting yourself in a position to know what you can spend each month and stay within the guidelines of, the, of, those, of those spending amounts. Before I end my comments on this particular question, is let me ask you a question. Is the word discipline difficult for you to deal with? A lot of people, they cannot stand that word. They have a difficult time with that word. They have a difficult time with the word budget. Remember, the Lord disciplines those that he loves and he disciplines us for our benefit. One translation even says for our reward, for our financial benefit. He disciplines those that he loves. He knows that discipline brings a blessing. So we need to list our needs, our wants, and desires. Our needs are handled in the budget. Our wants and our desires are things that we plan for and save for for in the future. And I believe if you set that plan up, you won't be spending money that you put into a savings account and you will have the discipline to have a savings account and leave it alone. Here's a question that's really in my face constantly. Pastor, I just need to make more money. I don't make enough money. I'm always out of money. I'm always broke. I can't give to the church. I'm not able to meet my expenses. So I guess all I need to do is just make more money. Well, Many, many times, it's true, we do need to make more money because we just don't have enough money to come in to handle our needs. Let me give you an answer this way. Usually, it's not more money we need, but a better understanding of how much we spend. Do we really truly understand the difference between budgeting and just winging it, just making decisions whenever, being flippant, looking at our account and say, well, there's $300 in there. I guess we can go shopping and have some fun. Now, you can't do that because that $300 is earmarked for something. Maybe a portion of it is for shopping, but you can't just go out and spend the money. So most times I've discovered that it's not necessarily more money that a person needs. It's a better understanding of what a need is. It's a better understanding of what they spend each month and what it costs them to live each month over the course of an entire year. So if you're married, both of you, you and your spouse, must be in agreement on these issues of understanding the difference between needs, wants, and desires. Must also understand that maybe it's not more money, maybe it's just wiser spending and a little bit more wisdom in making those decisions. So you should make a list below and label 
the, the, the things that you need in your budget and how much money it does cost you to live each month and then determine that if you need more money, then you're going to have to figure out a way to make that happen, either a part-time job or something additional to that. But let's not always run and say the solution is always we just need to make more and that way many times people just spend more. Now, follow-up question to that previous question is, why should I budget? I know what I make. Well, a people, that, that's a total misunderstanding of what it costs you to live each month. To say that, why should I budget because I know what I make, is really saying, I really don't know what I'm spending. A budget organizes our spending. List why you need a budget. I better get off of this before I get people upset with me. Let's move on to the next question. Here's a great question. When is it okay to borrow money. Well, there's nothing wrong with borrowing. Really, there's nothing wrong with borrowing at all. The Bible doesn't say there's anything wrong with it. What it says is that when you owe money to someone, you can become the servant to them. But if you owe people money and you have the ability to pay them off, then you won't be their servant. As a matter of fact, a lot of people say, well, putting a mortgage on your house makes you a servant to the bank. Well, that's true if the loan is more than what the property is worth. But if your the value of your property is higher than the amount of the loan, you're not a servant because you could always sell that property, pay the loan off and, and rent someplace. So it's, it's not correct to say that the Bible is opposed to borrowing money. Many times borrowing is a blessing and a way to have additional financial gain. In addition to that, there's nothing wrong with borrowing as long as we have a good plan to pay it off and get out of debt. So then a lot of people say, well, then what I should do is consolidate my debt. Well, that's another type of borrowing you should probably talk about. And in past episodes, I've discussed that. But consolidating your debt or getting all your loans together and consolidating them into one loan, it'll work only when we can control our spending. If a person goes out and consolidates their debt every year and every year, every year that consolidation loan or whether it be like a second mortgage on your property or something keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger, what's happening is you're spending more than you make. You're living above your means. So loan consolidations can be good only when they're, they're a tool to help us get out of debt. Maybe consolidate our payments so that we can make one big payment or get a better interest rate. So that type of borrowing is fine. That's the type of borrowing that will bless you and help you. But that borrowing does require discipline to control spending. Today, you can't receive your mail without having at least one or two or three items in there with some company wanting you to borrow money. I receive stuff in the mail. I'm not exaggerating, probably 15 or 20 items a week that are telling me that they've already pre-approved me for a loan or pre-approved me for credit cards or I can get a loan at a bank for a certain percent of interest because the banks do this because they make their money by loaning money. Why do you think they give you a credit card for 12 months at zero interest. They're hoping that during that 12 months, you will charge and charge and charge and get a great big balance that you won't be able to pay back. And you'll have to start making these nice big 18 to 20 to 25% interest payments on that amount. And that's very profitable for the bank. So be careful when you borrow money. It's not committing sin. It's not something that is something you should run away from. As a matter of fact, most of us wouldn't have a home today if it wasn't being able to borrow money to get a mortgage on our house. Just be sure you can afford that house. Many churches would not be built today if it wasn't for banks or institutions who will loan money to a church so that that church can be built. So a loan can be a productive thing. A lot of business people make their money from borrowing. 
I know when I was a real estate developer, we would borrow as much money as we could on our projects in order to be able to afford to cover them and pay for them and build them and carry them. And then we would sell them and hopefully we sold them for more than the total amount of our debt. So borrowing can be good, but it can also be very dangerous. And you can be servant to the lender if you owe more than what your assets are worth. And you can't sell out and get out from underneath that obligation. This next question can be a little bit difficult. So let me, let me explain why I call this difficult. The question is this, in marriage, who should make the decisions? Well, some people say it's the one that's smarter than the other one, or, or it's the one who wants to do it and the other one doesn't want to do it. Well, let's look at the biblical definition of who should make the decisions in a marriage. When we get married, we become one. Everyone understands that, not only physically, but emotionally and every other area of life. We are one. We're a unit that should be in agreement. But many times when it comes to finances, you'll have one person who's a spender in a marriage and the other one's a saver. Or you'll have one who likes to spend money and the other one hates to spend money. You might have a person who's what they call frugal or cheap. And you might have a person who just wants to give away everything that they have. So you need to come to an understanding. And I would suggest if you're having a lot of challenges and a lot of problems in this, you should probably go to a counselor and discuss the issues of finances. There's a lot of good books written on marriage and finance. I have a episode just on money and marriage. It's episode number 14 and it's entitled money and marriage because there's a lot of issues we need to deal with. But just to answer it very quickly in this particular episode, both the husband and wife must jointly agree in all spending. Now, we need to make a list of spending issues that we're challenged with in our marriage. I was counseling someone the other day and they were chatting and they said their wife just loves to collect shoes. She's just a fanatic about shoes and she's probably got 200, 300 pairs of shoes in her closet. And I don't know how to answer that one. I, I would say that obviously that seems a little excessive, but there may be people out there that think that I'm incorrect. I would say the way to determine whether that makes sense or not is number one, can they afford it? Number two, are they putting God first in their finances? And number three, is it causing a burden on their finances? So where in the other case, well, maybe the wife is the one spending a lot of money on shoes, but then the husband might be out there buying tools and buying fishing gear and sporting equipment and things. And so, and he's got you know more pieces of, uh, of fishing equipment and more lures and, and more tools in the garage than the wife could ever have in shoes. So you can sit there and fight that back and forth, but in marriage, we need to come to an agreement. There needs to be an understanding of how you come together and you jointly agree. Make a list of your spending issues. I said that earlier, but I want to say that again. Those things that you're challenged with, ask the Lord to help you to come together in agreement. There needs to be one person who steps up and both of you agree that that person kind of makes the final decision. Now, I don't mean that that person's the, the king of the finances. All I'm saying is that there's got to be someone that says, I really don't think that's a good idea and have a good reason. And then the two of you discuss it and find out if you can be in agreement on that item. So pray about it. Read the book of Ephesians. It's a powerful one talking about marriage and all the things we have to deal with. And you can look at episode number 14 that I had here a few weeks ago entitled Money and Marriage. This next, next question we kind of talked about it a little bit, but I still think I should say a few more things on it. Here's the question. Is it okay to have a credit card? And my answer is absolutely yes. I think a credit card is very beneficial. It organizes your spending. You many times can get benefits from it, like cash back, or you can possibly get 
air miles for traveling across our country. As a matter of fact, my wife and I have been using credit cards our entire married life ever since they came out. And one of the things that we've had a rule with, and that is that we never put anything on the credit card that we're unable, if we're not able to pay for it in that month's budget, we don't we don't put it on the credit card. Or if we don't have savings in the bank that we can pull out, pay for it when that large charge comes in, then we won't put it on a credit card because I cannot imagine paying all that terrible interest that they charge on credit cards today. So as long as we pay off the balance each month, I think it's great to be able to use a credit card. We need to make a list of our credit cards and determine the best way to use them. You probably only need one or two cards to meet the requirements that you have. I know if you're a member of Costco, you need to have a Costco card. And sometimes if you're a member of another organization, you need another card for them. So sometimes you have to have more than two or three cards. But be careful in getting those cards and be careful that you keep control of them and don't just put things on there thinking, well, I'll figure out a way to pay for it someday. Now I need to say this, if you have a difficult time controlling your credit card use, then cut them up, cancel them, and don't ever use them again. Credit cards can be a wonderful tool, but they can also be a very dangerous item to keep us in debt. The last question I'm going to address in this episode, and I have a whole bunch more yet, and I guess we'll have to do a second episode on this, is can I co-sign and guarantee, guarantee a loan for someone else? My answer is a definite no. It is always better to borrow the money that someone needs and give it to them and have them pay back to you rather than you co-signing for their loan. The reason I say that is if you co-sign for someone's loan and they don't make the payments, your credit gets affected. And that way you, you have stress and problems between each other, especially in families. Be very careful in co-signing loans for children and whatever. I would rather just go out and borrow the money in my own name and ask that child to pay me directly rather than just assume they're going to make the payments on time and they're always going to be good with it and never cause us a problem. So let's be very careful about co-signing. I would avoid it at all costs. The Word of God tells us in many places that we should never guarantee a loan. Proverbs 17, 18 tells us one who lacks sense gives a pledge, which means or puts up security or is a surety for someone else in the presence of his neighbor. So we're not supposed to guarantee a loan, but there's a way to still help that individual. In episode 15 in this series on experiencing the joy of debt-free living, I have an episode entitled Borrowing. I would encourage you to listen to it. Because I have so many questions yet to answer, I think we'll go ahead and have one more episode coming up next on how to answer financial questions. If you're interested in getting my book entitled Experience the Joy of Debt-Free Living, you can go to my webpage at davidcfriendauthor.com and there will be a link to show you how to obtain that. You may subscribe to my podcast on cpnshows.com or wherever you listen to your podcast. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you and to give you peace. And may you prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you.